This episode is sponsored by Free Market Kids. Join the league of families who are transforming family time into unforgettable Bitcoin learning experiences. With our Hoddle Up Bitcoin mining board game, you're not just playing. You're building bridges, creating memories, and unlocking the brilliance of the future one block at a time. This is called alternative education. What we've come to realize, and many homeschoolers have come to realize, that alternative education is locking a kid in a freaking classroom with 30 strangers for eight hours a day. That's alternative. There's nothing natural there. The critical thinking, I think, is the most important thing. And being able to make their own decisions, look into things themselves, not take everything at face value. There's going to be more and more homeschooled kids in the next 10 to 15 years. So for anybody that's contemplating this, it, it's very important to understand that you've got to do a lot of de-schooling and unprogramming of your own. Welcome Bitcoin homeschoolers. Talia and I are always thinking about how we can give back and we're not coders. We can't make wallets. We're not financial analysts. We're not going to write a book on the history of money, but we do have over two decades of, of homeschooling. We believe very strongly in the separation of education state and the self-custody of education. And the whole purpose of this Bitcoin homeschooler podcast is to serve as a vehicle for us to help give back. Part of that is hearing other points of view and other experiences. And today we are blessed to have Daniel and Claire Prince and talk about proof of work. These guys are world schooling. They have written a book called Choose Life about it, and we cannot wait to get into it. So guys, welcome. Thanks for having us on. Great to be here. All right. My thought is maybe we start off the conversation assuming that people have not read your book. Could you just give a little bit of background on like your, your path on where you are that I think just to help ground things for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. We started this journey into homeschooling, world schooling, unschooling, self-directed education, uh, all of the above, because they all kind of like merge into one thing back in 2014, March, 2014, we, we left our old life behind. Uh, we were living in Singapore at the time. We sold pretty much everything we owned at that stage and took off with the kids and started traveling. We thought we might go for six to nine months, but that ended up being two and a half, almost three years of constant travel uh, with the kids, four of them aged eight, six, and two three-year-old twins at the, uh, the time that we started that. Uh, and that, yeah, really kind of took us down the journey of what it means to separate education from state and We've done all kinds of different education with them in a system, whether that's private schooling, Montessori style, or straight up state school in Singapore, straight up state school in France, and mixed that over the last 10 years with other, other styles. Self-led learning. Self-led learning at the moment, for sure, yeah. But originally, it was nothing to do with education as to why, why we fell into it. It was because... We were looking for a different way of living. We wanted to quit the rat race and mm. homeschooling was how we kind of worked that first initial few years because we wanted the freedom of travel. And then once you start to learn about it and read about it and you realize. And see the results. And right. See yeah. the results <laughs> right, right. And so actually get to spend time with your children mm -hmm. and see how they're learning and see how differently they all learn you know having four they all learn 
completely differently. And uh, yeah, that's yeah, really so. they really do. What did you have support from both of your both sides of the family or, or friends when you were making that decision? Right, we had a lot of. Interestingly, we had some friends that were teachers, and they were really supportive about it. Maybe because of the age that the children were as well. Uh, family, not so much. I think it's a generational thing as well. They were more shocked. Yeah. And that come from the fear of ruining their grandchildren, I suppose. Yeah. And that that come from a point of obviously love and concern and worry and fear that we were being irresponsible and going to damage our kids' chances of ever being able to go to college and ever being able to get a job or ever being able to socialize properly. You know, all of the FUD. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Right. So Tali, you wanted to comment? Just from the point of view of a mom, like logistically, logistically how did you handle that because not only were you traveling which in and of itself is difficult but when you're also trying to school on top of that what did you use like what material did you use what was your method of teaching well uh, originally i mean life was crazy for us um at home back then um dan was probably not home much at all so it was all on me and i had the twins that were coming up for three and the six-year-old and eight-year-old and Singapore was very much a keeping up with the Joneses environment where they have to do all the activities and uh, you know swimming dancing tennis uh, all the all the above and I was so stressed with getting them everywhere and naps and trying to be the mom with no family to help and so something had to give and uh, it was more a case of me snapping at a child because they've forgotten their ballet slippers at the age of six and thinking this isn't right this why should my five-year-old even care about um ballet slippers and um so traveling and homeschooling now all of a sudden i've got dan around so i've got an extra person um to help um and we love to travel she wanted to say hinder there by the way (laughs) well that's a it is a transition um, though it's a transition yeah there's a transition so not we we haven't done the world schooling but we're about a year trying to go full-time with our entrepreneurial bitcoin education and it's different i mean i'll from the man's standpoint to be to be around to see how much work tolly was doing to keep Mm -hmm. all kinds of things going that i just had no idea on. And then I'm like, okay, well, well now what do I do? Like, I'm, I want to, I'm a man, I'm supposed to help. No clue how this, this operation is really, is really running. So, I it mean, you guys, tough. sounds like you guys did fine with it, but it was a transition no, for me to too. Start with, it was tough because we had different methods of discipline and mm-hmm. different methods of, well, approaches to, to teaching and different expectations of learning. So it took us a while to... Different le- levels of uh, patience as well. Yeah. You know? um, it turns out I'm not as patient as Dan. D- Daniel, are you helping <laughs> yeah, teach then? In the, uh... Are Sorry? you actually helping teach then too? Different things. Um, we I... both have our skills. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, for sure. Um, I'm just trying to think back to like the, the very early days when you're going... So for anybody that's contemplating this, it, it's... I think uh, very important to understand that 
you got to do a lot of de-schooling and unprogramming of your own which we hadn't at the time yeah of your own problems that you've carried up through your own schooling and into your adult life and, and whatever expectations else. of learning because all yeah. we knew was school. sit down and mm. learn from a book you know that that was what has been drilled into us as well and at that stage i was coming out of an 18 year career so i'd just done the linear thing i'd done to school got some grades gone into uh, yeah, an apprenticeship got better got moved up, got moved to a different country, was on the, the fast track into, you know, a, another 10 to 15 years of just sitting there and grinding it out and getting the retirement and whatever else. And all of a sudden that's gone and I'm at home every day and dual parenting rather than single parenting and then trying to, you know, help the kids with whatever it is that they're trying to do. Um, my levels of patience fluctuated very, uh, quite volatile in the, the early days because I've been used to being in a business scenario, mm -hmm. 10, 11 hours a day, five days a week, not dealing with three-year-olds mm. that are arguing over <laughs> whose cup is who when the cup is the same freaking color. <laughs> and the same. A million times. <laughs> oh, yeah. So like stuff like that, I couldn't handle Like, right. I got to be out of the room right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, what I hear, though, you, you, you took, you made the leap, right? You, you said, we're in this together. We're committing to this. You had the courage to, to do that. And then later on, it's not till later on that you figure out how you do it, the capacity for it, and let alone to have the confidence. So Yeah, we, we took books with us and we tried to, to pretend um, that we were, we knew what we were doing. <laughs> and, um, you know, occasionally we'd sit down and say, right open the books kids and then we realized that that was really hard and then we would go out and we we were traveling at the time and then go to a museum or we'd uh, be in a place where every day was a lesson just traveling so then we realized that they were actually getting so much from our traveling and our journey and and hopefully they wouldn't remember it, which I'm not sure they actually did. But um, but yeah, so then it, it, we tried to use the world as our school, but then occasionally we'd go, but oh, well, we have to do some more sit down stuff and try and well, sit them down again. And then it, that would end up in arguments because mm -hmm. um, they didn't want to do that or they'd get frustrated really quickly. Well, because it's an unnatural way to learn, right? This is the well, thing. It's, this is called alternative education. What we have come to realize, and many homeschoolers have come to realize, that alternative education is locking a kid in a freaking classroom with 30 strangers for eight hours a day. That's alternative. There's nothing natural there. Right. I was just going to ask you about that. I was, I mean, because at some point the light bulb goes on and you're like, I know you'd commented in your in your your book about socialization. That was something that our families had had concern about. Then they they as they get older, and you're worried, man. I'm I'm almost too worried. Not not too worried. I'm almost worried for the opposite reason that they're too social. They they their mm -hmm. confidence now in handling a lot of different situations with a lot of different types of adults and and others. They're very confident in things that I was like, hmm. So. Like, what was that like light bulb moment as you kind of realized what you just commented on, Daniel, where you, you realized that actually this is the natural way of learning. This is actually better for my kids. Like, what, when was that moment for you guys? 
don't even know if we've mm. get we've had a light bulb moment, but we do get a lot of compliments from strangers um, or people that just meet them about how they can talk to adults, look people in the eye, mm -hmm. um, engage with people. Um, and that started happening very early mm. and still happens to this day. And that's nothing to yeah. do with what we've done. I think it's purely by being around us the whole time. I think that's just, it's like an osmosis of being around us. They've just learnt how to engage with people more. I think that's a, uh, one of the big disadvantages of the world that children spend less time with their parents these days. And I think they don't learn so much from, from that. Yeah. And I think um, perhaps a light bulb moment for me was meeting other world schoolers and homeschooled kids uh, along the way. Um, and even really early, we read that blog post. What was her name? I don't know. You, you listed out like a hundred resources in the book. Like I was like, yeah. I was going yeah. through Jen, it and I'm like, Jen's you just had <laughs> so many to, to look at. I won't yeah. even pretend yeah. that I know which one you're. Hannah Miller. Hannah Miller wrote this and she was 13 when she wrote it. Yeah. And it was called How What's World Hell, Hell World Schooling Ruined My Life. <laughs> and it was like a brilliant clickbait title um, and a satirical but piece. But it was very satirical. It was, yeah. it was, it meant actually the opposite. So yeah, I suppose those little moments when um, one is like, I wish, I hope that by the age of 13, my child can write in this style and be as funny and as open as this. And then um, you met other kids around the world and like the slightly older ones, you're like, ah, okay. And like Claire said, they'll come up, introduce themselves. You could be anywhere on a beach, in a park and at a little world school meetup, you'd fall into Facebook groups. So you hit a country, who's world schooling here? Who's on their travel? and blah 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 go and meet in the park and you'd meet the other kids so like we ours were very young still but you'd meet a 13 14 year old and they'd come up to you shake your hand introduce themselves and sit down before you know it you've had a conversation for 30 or 40 minutes and they've told you where they've been and this that, and the other thing and you're like huh i'm like just sitting here chilling out chatting to a 13 year old when i'm used to that experience being uh, hello how are you uh yeah nice um how's school uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Like, with a normal schooled person, and that could even mm -hmm. be your niece or nephew, who you're supposed to be close to, that just yeah. cannot have that, you know, there's that barrier between you and them because they're so used to being... The only adult that they ever get exposed to is the authority at the front of the classroom, and mm -hmm. that's their day-to-day. -day. So... Those little light bulb moments for me were like, yeah, we're on the right track with, with these kids because look at, and this is what we keep coming up against now because Caitlin's now 18, Sophia's 16, the, the twins are coming up 13. Every time we go away to one of these conferences, they're sitting down for hours talking to other Bitcoiners and the Bitcoiner economy later, he's like, dude, your kids, I've just been talking to them for hours. And how old are they again? <laughs> yeah, those guys are 12. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> Well, a compliment to you guys then for uh, for raising them that way. Tali, you were you're going to ask something there to that. Well, I I just want to kind of second what you said. With, that's something that we have noticed in our homeschooling groups as well. We haven't come across really a whole lot of uh, world travelers, but 
just the fact that the kids have daily conversations with adults, mom and dad, if just mom and dad, that makes such a huge difference more than the passing. I'm going to school now. Bye. I love you. You know, that kind of passing moment, but discussions in the kitchen, just over mm-hmm. dinner table, that kind of stuff. It, because what you guys did is a huge, huge leap from somebody who is still stuck at a corporate job and the kids are going to school. So yeah. it might seem like it's, it's like a completely different world, but even if you just take small steps toward having more conversations with your kids, you are already moving in that direction. Kids respond really quickly. Something else I wanted to mention was I wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned a few minutes back that you'd be world traveling, you'd be visiting museums and visiting these incredible cities, and then you suddenly realize, oh, I should probably make sure they can still write, (laughs) maybe too mad, and you're sitting them down. I don't know about your experience, but for our kids, that was very painful because what I forgot for myself was I needed transition time between running places and when I'm the one who's coordinating all of it and I'm not the one doing the learning I forget that and then I force the kids without that transition time to sit and then it becomes so difficult you know like the temper tantrums and the meltdowns and things like that what was your experience like and what did you guys do to help the kids transition from going all over the place and then sitting down quiet at the table, I do believe that that is part of schooling and that is where self-discipline comes into play. And it is also really a necessary part of schooling. So what did you guys do? I can completely relate to what you're saying. It's it's when it's on your, on your terms, like you've got to be somewhere, you're doing something, you're trying to rush them through, sit down and do this. We've got half an hour to get this done. That's when it all goes down and that's totally a parenting issue not the child's issue issue but we put that onto them I suppose don't know if we've ever I agree you do have to do sit down things you do have to do reading and, and writing and things every now and then some days it works some days it doesn't don't know if we've ever solved it I mean I think as they've got older they've been able to to do that themselves and do self-study a bit more and since they've been older we've been trying to follow student-led learning which is that they follow their own interests so in the idea is that they're interested in it themselves mm-hmm. so then they right. have much more motivation to to sit down yeah if so I they'll join the clubs that they want to join on like cubrio for example that we use or out school uh, so then it's on them to choose and decide which ones we obviously help and guide them and in some cases insist like no you're definitely doing that one because there's no discussion there you have to do it you have to try it and we can uh, look at it uh, again in a month's time and maybe we can you know swap it out for something else uh, so yeah there is still that element of uh, guidance i suppose and then when they're actually on the clubs, on the Zoom calls with uh, with the other kids and the, and the facilitator, that all goes fine. They'll sit down and do the work. They're on creative writing clubs and just sit there and tap away and then share their stories at the end of it, uh, which I don't think we would get the same result if it was just you and I saying. Definitely not. No. Right. Write us a story and then present it to us in the lounge in 45 minutes and go. <laughs> Well, there's something that I would like to point out for the, the listeners too. That I think we're just all taking for granted. You're 
the ability to learn later, like your own, as you're, as an adult, you're still going to be learning things. So yes. there's something about that self-directed, that that's mm -hmm. a skill by it, by itself. But the thing that's on my mind as you guys are talking is I'm just imagining you're traveling the world, you're having multiple meals with your kids during the day. Maybe sometimes you, you break up and, and you're not, and you think about how many kids these days are either in single family households, or even if both there's a mom and dad there, the, the hours you have to put into the, like the rat race, right? Or maybe you're both working and now you're just kind of saying, okay, your, your child's now going to spend most of their waking hours with other people. You can't, you can learn a subject later on. You can go self-teach whatever it is later on, almost anything. You can't as easily go back and try to build a relationship with your, with your kids and set an example of how parents can work together through difficult times. Cause I'm sure like, it's not all like, you know, flowers and candy and whatever else. Like there's, there's, there's tough times in there and they see mom and dad working through that. That's a huge, huge thing to teach your kids. And you can't easily go back and learn that later. So that's what's on my mind as we're having this discussion is we can get into mm -hmm. the, these technical things on, is it Montessori? Is it Udemy? Is it whatever? But I mean, think about what the kids are getting when you, I mean, to me, this is the heart of, of the self custody of education, right? You are, mm -hmm. you're, you're teaching so much more in terms of life skills there and values that is just, you can't even put a price tag on, 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 on yeah. some of those. I mean, we yeah. sit down to eat together pretty much every, well, at least twice a day, sit down around a table and you can imagine some of the conversations there, but you know, they're proper discussions <laughs> sometimes around Bitcoin, not always, but they're proper discussions and with their points of views and whether we think this is right to have this point of view or not. And um, I think that again goes back to their, the, you know, it gets discussed whether it's right or wrong, the conversation, but uh, it, it's, um, it's, it's, I suppose like a mini debate sometimes, but uh, I think it's a skill as well. Yeah. And then with, with, to your point as well, Scott, when we were doing the, the long-term traveling with them, uh, yeah, they were part of it. They were part, whether they realized it or not, they were part of every decision. They were part of every up and part of every down. And they experienced all of the good stuff and all of the bad stuff together as a unit. Like when we were in Thailand and Samuel split his head open, mm -hmm. like they saw exactly like mom and dad go straight into panic mode, alert mode, get this shit sorted out mode. And that was a learning experience, all of it. And all of the emotions that came with that and the sadness and then the relief that he was okay. And it was just some stitches and he was back again in an hour or two. Uh, you know, all look, just those kind of situations, huge amounts of learning is going on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. That was my favorite part of homeschooling was the fact that our kids know each other very well. They know each other's mm -hmm. friends. They know each other's teachers. And what, like you said, when we come to the table and they're debating certain points of view or whatever, it, they're still together and they can disagree, you know, when, as they get older, cause our, our girls are a little bit older than yours. Um, 
when they disagree, they really disagree, but we're still <laughs> able to talk about it. And we can always go back to the reference of remember that time when this teacher did this and that kind of stuff. I want to throw a question at you guys. I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm sure you have, but I'm going to throw it out. So going back to what you said before about when you decided to do homeschooling and your family out of their concern and love were afraid that um, you were going to ruin your kids. Because we had that. We had that on both sides. And mm. what I am noticing now with our kids being older, and they're going outside, obviously, our family circle. Our two boys are working. Our girls are at school. What they're noticing now is that the way they think is so, so different from their peers that it's very, very difficult for them to connect with peers that are the same age because they're still right now scrolling on Instagram and talking about stuff that are somewhat unimportant. They're stuck in the pop culture, whereas our kids would look beyond that just be just because of the type of conversation that we have at our home. So in that way, they have been frustrated that they they are having trouble connecting with the general peers outside the homeschooling circle. Are you guys noticing the same thing for you guys for your kids? Yeah. Yeah, well, we were in a, uh, another city the other day and, well, a few months ago, and a busload of um, school kids, obviously, on a on an excursion or going out for the day, which uh, the kids, obviously, on the bus were looking at our kids that were just free out and about in the city. And they're all, like, pulling funny faces out the bus window and, you know, sticking the middle finger up and things like that our kids and things because they think that they're cool and and um and then our kids turned around and to each other and went kids that go to school are just so weird <laughs> yeah can i can yeah. i add this i just um i there's so many questions i have for you guys you claire you mentioned bitcoin earlier and i'm curious so i'm assuming you're a bitcoiner is that is that true are you... Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have the same belief. Not nearly as deep in as Dan, but yes, I agree with um, the concept okay. and the ideas behind it. Okay, so so Daniel was first, and then you you were brought along into the the rabbit hole. So, and then how about yes. the kids? Are the where are the kids on the spectrum? Because I where I'm going with that is I here. Tali and I are we're, we're throwing our heart and and souls into this. We we believe in this, strongly believe in this, and. And that's a whole other, I mean, this is where Bitcoiners spend hours, right? But our kids look at us and they say, okay, dad, why do you have laser eyes? You know, you're, you're going to your little cult and, you know, they, and they, they make all the comparisons, right? You're, I mean, just so many comparisons. So I'm curious from, from a schooling standpoint, but also from a Bitcoin standpoint, where, where are you guys as a family and how are you guys handling the subject of money and freedom and the, the things, Daniel, that you would talk for hours on your podcast about how do you how do you handle those in the in the house well it gets talked about all the time so um they they certainly know about it mm -hmm. um because the his, the because money because bitcoin fixes everything <laughs> yeah that 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 sentence <laughs> yeah. comes up a lot <laughs> lots of debates about that <laughs> at the kitchen chicken in the fridge oh bitcoin fixes this yeah. <laughs> um but um yeah uh all of them understand uh again the concept of it how it works and mm. we don't know how deeply they don't know the technicalities of it but they 
understand deeply and much more than probably another kid, even our 18 year olds age, they understand uh, inflation yeah. and why the world is in such a state now. Uh, they understand it's not just because of the pandemic um, and um, they they understand that it's printing money that uh, or fiat money. Uh, uh, they've read a few books that are more to their level. Played Huddle Up. Played Huddle Up. Oh, nice. Nice. The, yeah, that's right. I, I, for, I forgot about uh, that. I've read yeah. that. Yeah. Um, uh, our older daughter, she went to school um, and has much more of, um, I'd say, probably different views to the rest of us, a bit more so. She has uh, more of a outsidely well yeah views, she's but she's she still to... understands bitcoin and still comes back to it quite often talks to her friends about it mm -hmm. um it's interesting to see how they're going uh they're going to be pulled in different directions and this is as we know what bitcoin does to you right it's going to find that thing within you that resonates with you the most and then you're going to apply your time and effort to that specific so for you guys, it's Bitcoin and, and homeschooling. You know, mm -hmm. I absolutely 100% agree with you. If you separate education from state, you will separate money from state and vice versa. And as you said, Scott, Bitcoiners are homeschoolers that just don't know it yet. And homeschoolers are Bitcoiners <laughs> that just don't know it. Yeah. That's that's just 100% true. Uh, but what's going to bring them in? You know, what will it be? And what will it be for our kids? And having the kids with us at, uh, at some of the conferences, getting them exposed to the... The, the talks, the panels, the um, the booths, the work that's been going on. Caitlin currently, she's 18. She's just had a chat with uh, Alex Gladstein and CK from Human Rights Foundation. So Fantastic. she's looking into, can I do some kind of internship? Because it's international relations that's pulling her into this thing. So, right, where where can... Who in my network do I need to put in the way of you on your journey? And and Sophia, she met Rachel actually in Germany uh, just four or five weeks ago at um, at an event. And uh, Rachel's put in on this event in January. And Rachel invited Sophia to come and speak on a panel about what's it like to be a teenage girl. Surrounded by Bitcoin. Surrounded by Bitcoin stuff. How's it shaping your mind? So goodness knows where she's going to get um, pulled into. What Claire's going to start resonating with, um, you know, is it the human rights aspect? Is it getting oh, more? Always, for me, that's what interests me more, the mm -hmm. humanitarian side of it all. And, and but, then... but then someone like my son, he just loves the gaming. He's like, what? You can win sats playing Pac-Man and stuff? Okay, let's get into that. Lauren does the show with me, so she's mm -hmm. interviewed goodness knows how many people and she just likes talking to people yeah she loves the conversation of it and just like sits there and gets truth bombed every episode like, huh. <laughs> so one day i guarantee you one day she'll be 15 or 16 and she'll just start coming out with all of this stuff but where's it going to take her you know it's going to be amazing to watch well i mean good for you guys i mean this is something that's on our mind too we've cleared just so you know so talia and i earlier this year went to a couple homeschooling conferences and tried to pitch bitcoin to homeschoolers and it was an uphill to say it nicely an uphill time like it was it was a it was a very frustrating experience so i, I think we'll get there eventually and and it's and and the reason i asked that question is we're we're trying to not only i mean we 
want our own family. We want our own kids to understand this and say, look, we have this insight. We want to share this with you. You guys can, you have the benefit of, you have the whole life in front of you. We're, we're learning this much later. And even within our own family, we're, we're finding that it's not, it's not that simple. And it's certainly not one conversation. You know, it's not one game, no. one book, one podcast. It's, it's this consistent thing. And, and the number of times I mentioned low time preference or fiat money or something else like that, the kids just roll their eyes and they're like, okay, dad, we, we don't need another lecture. But I'm thinking like, these are like understanding money, the, the time preference thing. I mean, you guys talked about, um, what was it meditation? I think lowering your stress. You guys, you actually talked about that. Those are those concepts of taking care of your body for the long term. And, and doing those things, they're, they're all tied together. All these concepts, like they build on each other. And it's like, well, guys, this can really, really impact you for the better, your success, your happiness. And sometimes they just, they're not ready to hear it. At least that's my, my take on it is like, why, why can't I get you guys to see all the, the, the things that I'm seeing? And I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to be more understanding of what's their point of view and how do we reach how do we reach them? I mean, Tali's teaching me that I, that I don't communicate well with women, evidently, because we speak like men on podcasts. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we had, um, so she's exploring that and she's, she, she's growing that. But that's the reason I ask is because you're, you're teaching your kids your, your values. You're teaching them the, the, the things from a normal traditional school, like a, a traditional curriculum. But then there's this whole suite of new things that we're into with Bitcoin, with what is money? Austrian economics, lower time preference. I mean, if you want to get into the humanitarian rights and things like that, I mean, there's so much to get into there. Then the diet, what we're being told with the diet. Mm -hmm. Well, I want our kids to, how do you teach your kids what's right to eat and not eat? Mm -hmm. You want to talk about influences. Like we teach our, our kids this and then our sons will go out and they'll come back with McDonald's bags and pizza bags and, or boxes or whatever. And we're like, wait a minute. Like, didn't we, like, what are you doing? Anyway. Mm -hmm. so, well, I'm going to add my two cents in here. I think one of the biggest rewards that we have as homeschoolers is we teach kids to think critically and they're not just being spoon fed like they're sitting in rows and like cattle just being being spoon fed stuff. And so we teach them to think critically and we because we're new to the homeschooling and no, sorry, because we're new to the Bitcoin space and our kids were brought up in the traditional way, as Daniel, you were mentioning before, we only taught them what we knew and what we knew was the traditional stuff, like the traditional finance. And, you know, you go, you get good, get good grades, you get a good education, you get a good job, you climb the corporate ladder. That's what we knew before we entered the Bitcoin space. We didn't question our understanding of the, how, how the world worked and how money worked because we thought we knew it the correct way. That was the way we trained up our kids. And so suddenly we come across this Bitcoin thing and our mind is blown, but our kids didn't have that need yet. You know, we, we found Bitcoin out of our need for it. I think everybody has to come to Bitcoin with some type of need and it could be humanitarian. It could be something else, but everybody had a need and Bitcoin became the solution. And so our kids, they haven't come across that need yet. And so they see us suddenly change and our 16 year old, his favorite, um, retort to me or us telling him about about Bitcoin is mom well mostly mom because he was always working mom you taught me to not accept things at face value you taught me 
to question and i'm like you're not supposed to question me you're supposed to question other people <laughs> but, <laughs> but, exactly. but you know i i feel like we have to give them room are because they are they're really young adults and we've brought them up to be critical thinkers and eventually they will their paths will lead there but if we are shoving it in their face all the time it's just like any other family and members yeah. or our friends that we want to say hey can i please tell you about this incredible thing called bitcoin they'll be like you're crazy and weird you know our kids are looking at us the same way. Mm. I totally agree. The critical thinking, I think, is the most important thing. And being able to make their own decisions, look into things themselves, not take everything at face value. But um, yeah, we get, we totally get the eye rolls all the time. I'm like, oh, dad's talking Bitcoin again. But it's interesting when you sometimes hear your children talking to kids their own age that have nothing to do with Bitcoin and then trying to explain it to them and um, like why it's important and, and all these things. They're like, ah, they, they did listen. They mm -hmm. do get it. And uh, I suppose, like you say, they have to make, they, they have to make their own decisions. And, you know, I don't know how many times in my life, my opinions and, and things have changed and I've completely pivoted on some things that I thought were, I was really set on um, before, but um, I suppose uh, that's one of our biggest goals is to make sure they're always learning, always that, you know, you don't stop learning at 18 or in the early 20s when you finish university, because we're still learning mm -hmm. now, yep. but we could really, when we were, our kids were at school, we could really see the love of learning disappearing, like they just were so bored by school yeah and, and I would, inspired i would say as well it's a classic cliche uh actions speak louder than words and in 18 months when you guys are still doing this podcast and you've still you're still designing games i mean the thing is you've always still you've got that game right that's there that's out there it's going to keep selling people are going to carry on asking you know how to play it and whatever else you're going to keep going to conferences. You're not going to stop what you're doing. So in 18 months, we're the critical mind. These kids that you've brought up, that we've brought up, and hopefully other people around um, around the world that are suffering these same problems. 18 months goes by. You haven't changed. Your conviction is even stronger. Your message is clearer. You've sharpened your tools uh, with delivering the messages. Uh, Scott can speak to women. And, you know, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I don't know. So have you talked to your kids? Thanks, Daniel. Uh, did you, um, have you talked to your kids about university? Are they considering not going? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is where, like, giving them free minds and, and things is they, uh, well, our oldest is determined to go. Mm. And, you know, she... She's not picking the the cheaper European universities. She's trying to pick a, I mean, I, it's not the US, but she's picking the UK, which isn't cheap. Um, Sophia um, doesn't know at all what she wants to do, mm -hmm. but she still feels the pressure, I suppose, because the age she is and all the other kids are looking or working towards university. So the word comes up quite a lot from her 
-hmm. but she is much more open to learning a vocation rather than going to university. This this might be part of the, this might be the unprogramming Daniel you're referring to because Tali and I met in grad school, right? right? And then our, both of our sons, like, so both of our girls say, okay, we're gonna go to school. And we're like, yeah, we'll support you and all that. But both of our boys are like, we don't really want to do that. And right. here, and with all the things that we've learned over the last couple of years of studying Bitcoin, like we, we're like, yeah, you know, this is not. We we can't even we can't say here's why you really should do this. You know, you should spend a lot of money to go be indoctrinated and <laughs> do whatever. <laughs> and and now it's kind of like unprogramming on our part. And now we're back to our families. Because now we're, you know, we're 20 some years into this thing and we're you know, like, what are your, what are your kids doing? Well, the, the boys have decided to drop out and they're mm-hmm. looking, the, our families are looking at us like, well, what are you going to do about that? I'm like, well, we, su- we support them a hundred percent. It's been, it's been a, it's a, it's kind of our, one of our current learnings that Tali and I are going through is, is how to have this conversation with what do you think of formal university schooling after all that we've learned through the Bitcoin and what's going on with, with fiat education. So that's the reason mm-hmm. I asked. Um, looked like I may have hit a sore spot for you. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. Well, for me it is. Well. Because I, I, I don't want them to, to, to go and be indoctrinated and uh, be forced into debt. It makes no sense. Yeah, uh, it's, it makes but... the, the unnecessary debt. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think they're open-minded enough to, to see themselves when they're being indoctrinated hopefully but it's it's the unnecessary debt Mm -hmm. and i just hope it's that it's that framing as well scott you know that that is a psyop that that word that term dropout dropped out Mm -hmm. it should be opted out no they are Mm -hmm. opting out of that because it is a choice and it is Mm -hmm. empowering but somehow it's been turned upside down to make you look weak and an undesirable human being because you dropped out of college mm-hmm. or you dropped out of school or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what we try and, uh, well, I, I certainly hope many people around the world understand you have a choice, you can't opt out and that just reframing that language empowers you. And uh, um, I hope that Caitlin, it looks as though she, she will go to college, but if she gets the opportunity to intern at incredible organizations before she goes and being surrounded by incredible inspiring people then when they get there like you've experienced uh and other homeschoolers have experienced they get there and they look around at their classmates and I'm like, really like we're talking about the current thing all the time like, like <laughs> that's it that's exactly what our girls are telling us and um, it's kind of like that, uh, you know, I don't know what your faith background is, but a lot of Christian parents are very, very afraid of letting their kids go out and be ruined by the world. And mm. we I actually told the kids when they were in high school, when you graduate, you're going overseas because you need to see how big the world is. And my my peers, my the moms were like, oh, my God, what are they going to be exposed to? I'm like, whatever it is, they have to choose their own belief. They grew up under our belief system, but they need to choose. And so the my our kids went out and came back with stronger faith because they didn't like what they saw. And the same thing is happening at the universities that our girls are attending. And actually, all four of our kids went to school and to 
opted out afterwards but now they know where they stand so it's okay even if like your girls if they go to college and they look around they go this is it this is all there is to it and then opt out now their conviction is even stronger so i actually i'm I'm in favor of letting them go out there and make their mistakes yeah me too yeah i think it's how you learn as well for yourself Mm -hmm. If, if they get there and think right this isn't for me that's for them to have made that choice but, um, and our oldest at the moment, she's in Thailand yeah. traveling with her friends. There's three of them. They've gone out there. They've been gone for a month already and they'll be gone well, at least until March uh, in, in Thailand and Southeast Asia, going out and seeing the world and making mistakes. They've already missed mm. one flight. Already so. missed flights, already <laughs> made a reservation for the wrong like, yeah. day. Already, over, the time yeah. zone, already so. screwed the time zone up and overpaid for an Airbnb. <laughs> Yeah, but that's how you learn, though. You're right. I mean, now yeah. you you know, sitting down and telling someone how time zones work is not the same as actually messing up and mm-hmm. and having to yeah. pay with the frustration, yeah, the lost time, pay twice. pay twice. I mean, that's that's a real education there. Um, missing when, a flight when, um, when money's tight <laughs> yeah. already. So, um, so one of the things that was on my mind, um, going back a little bit to the the people who are just starting thinking of like some of the folks who'd be listening to this, the, they might look at that and they say, okay, well, the world changed though, because you guys started world schooling before COVID. Mm-hmm. And in some countries like Germany, you can't homeschool, right? It's not even an, an, an option. In the U.S., the, the impact of COVID really opened a lot of eyes for parents and it actually helped fuel the homeschooling movement. And there were a lot of people brought in because they're like, what? Like they, they realized like it was, they weren't getting what they, they thought they were getting uh, or they were getting extra things that they didn't want uh, in there. So things, for example, that might change for um, a, a young family would be, you guys did a lot of home swapping. There are a lot of young couples now that might be forced to rent just because the, where we are in the, in the fiat cycle. So where, what I'm saying with that is some things have changed and I'm just curious like if you're for the people listening now, if you were sitting down with one of those young couples, what would have what, what would you say to them? Would anything change from what you what you captured in your in your book? Because I know you guys put a lot of thought in, into that, but the world's changed quite a bit in the last yeah. five seven years, right? So I just want to just ask you to reflect a little bit on that. Is there anything that would you would um, you say differently? Well, when to we were- when we were traveling, we did decide at one stage to stop in France because we wanted our children to learn a second language. So they did go to school for a little while to, to, to use the language. And during COVID, we decided to take them out of school, which, like you said, so many people decided to take their children out of mm-hmm. school in France too. They saw um, the state education wasn't quite what they wanted anymore. But since then... France has changed the laws. Uh, well, interesting enough, late 2020, after the, the first lockdown, uh, they decided to change the homeschooling laws. So it's it's really hard to homeschool in France now. And I'm seeing so, so many European countries, especially Western European countries, are um, making it harder for the parents. The, the hoops you have to jump through makes it really really hard the paperwork um the assessments for the children and for example in france 
when you homeschool, you have to teach the state education to your children, which for me, that's not the point of homeschooling. So, um, so if for me, it's a lot easier to drop my children at school at eight o'clock in the morning and pick them up at four o'clock in the afternoon than to have them at home if I was going to have them learn the state education. So why would I teach them that at home all day? Um, so uh, yeah, it, I, it, it's it's much more difficult, mm -hmm. I'd say now. You've really got to, and um, yeah, as as a parent, I'd say that to another homeschooling parent is that I constantly have doubts in what I'm doing all the time and reassess things. And I, but I think I would do that if they were at school. You know, if if they're at school, I'd always be thinking, am I doing the right thing? Are they in the right school? Is everything working? But we're always doing that uh, with the kids. Is this working? And you know, I suppose it's about being adaptable to, to mm -hmm. everything and the children because they're also different wow and that's the the fight they stop. the fight you stage is scary with the <laughs> you know yeah, i did i did not is. realize that the to the extent that you're describing uh, like how much does yeah. the they're going that way sorry daniel i didn't mean there's to there's a lot you of regu lot of regulatory creep um across all of uh of all of europe uh, especially in um even the uk that you know it's it's getting tighter yeah which, it's uh, probably one of the freer places mm -hmm. in europe so we were talking to the founder of a Sudbury Valley school in, in Southeast of England in Kent. And she was explaining how the regulatory creep is creeping up on them to the point where now they can only accept, you know, quote students to come to the, and Sudbury Valley is a democratic style sto uh, school styled after the Sudbury Valley school in, in the U S uh, and uh, she said, yeah, we can only have students come in between Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday uh, between nine 30 and three 30. Because if we have any more minutes than that, then we are operating as a school in air quotes, and we come up under a completely different it's regulation more of an association. I yeah. Suppose. So when you look at Montessori schools or Waldorf Steiner schools or any of these other kind of alternative, again in air quotes, schools, uh, if they're working five days a week, they're just a quasi-state school with a kind of. They are in France. Yeah. In it, fact, I, anything else was just recently closed down. I didn't realize, but one mm -hmm, by one. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they're not mm -hmm. doing. The so same. they used to be kind oh. of like forest schools and things here, but they've just been regulated out of town. Wow. Because if you are, if you're welcoming kids into um, an institution five days a week, then therefore you need to have, it's like banking, you know, you can only bank if you've got a license from the federal reserve or from the bank of England or whatever. You can only school if you've got a license from the Ministry of Education. And if you have that license, then there are certain things that you need to uh, adhere to and certain requirements and regulations. And so if you really want to be a democratic school, you're like, no, we're not doing any of that. This is the whole point of this school. Then they start crimping the amount of time you can actually offer to the kids. So this is going on. Wow. So are there countries that are going the other way? Are there countries that are kind of a, a bastion for Open freedom none i've seen i think eastern european europe might be easier i don't know for sure i know there's a lot of um homeschoolers more in um czech republic and mm -hmm. um, maybe bulgaria and places like that yeah, yeah those, those countries i suppose where they yeah they uh i i'm not sure it's 100 mm. but i think it's pretty much 
You can fly under the radar in those countries. But it's uh, prohibited in places like Sweden, North Scandinavia, mm -hmm. Netherlands, Germany. It's wow. Very difficult in France, mm -hmm. very difficult in Spain. Yep. So very maybe if someone wanted the world school today, maybe they should be looking at Asia or some, yeah. somewhere well, else. I, like, I interviewed, I interviewed rules, a homeschooler in, a Bitcoin homeschooler in Portugal. And she said mm. that she pulled her oldest one out during COVID and she had a lot of trouble with paperwork. But then second one, because he never went into the system, there's no problem. So if you move mm -hmm. to Portugal and you don't enter the system at all, it's actually quite easy. As far as I understand. Yeah, you gotta be, yeah, you gotta be flying very low. It's about not being a resident in yeah. some countries. Like for France is different. If you're, even if you're not a resident, they say you have right to free education, so you should be at school. Um, but places mm. like Portugal and Spain, I think if you've not um, mm. registered. Well, it's getting into health systems and things like that as well. You know, like as yeah. soon as you're in that, that flags another bureau and that flags this and that flags that. That's where it, they, they uh, make it difficult. If you, yeah. you know, Europe's quite socialist. So if you wanted any child benefits or anything like that, you don't get it if you don't send your children to school, um, things like that. But what? to go back to your your original question, Scott, about um, if people are thinking about doing world schooling, what's changed and whatever, uh, I would say, yeah, I mean, by and large, it's still the same. In fact, I would say it could even be easier in finding accommodation now because things such as couch surfing and i mean airbnb has ballooned in the 10 years since we've been doing it we use home exchange and yeah if you do not have your own property to exchange then of course that's a problem but people do exchange their rented apartments so that's the, permission from them. yeah it's up to them to yeah and well it's, i suppose it's no different to family house coming sitting is a big big thing yep. looking after people's pets and pet sitting house sitting house. Uh, working on farms and that there's ways you can do it uh, woofing that's called or there's help x as well uh, there are ways that you can do it as a family no doubt uh, there's probably less available uh, cheap airlines around the world these days because they've been squeezed so maybe that price has gone up a little bit but uh, i would say it'd still be cheaper than most people would ever they don't believe you when you tell them Traveling long term is a cheaper way to live than just sitting steady and still in one place. Uh, and any world schooler will tell you that. It does sound very privileged. Yeah, it? it does. But it, you know, once you once you go and you start moving and you start figuring things out and uh, falling into uh, your rhythm, um, you you learn all the hacks and the tricks and the tools and what works best for you. Uh, it's still very doable. And uh, uh, honestly, I, I think. If somebody was thinking about doing it, do a six weeker or something, you know, just, just try six weeks somewhere, try and, and get a home swap set up or a couple of home swaps set up or a house sit, whatever it is, and just go for it and see what it's like. Mm -hmm. And then come back and like, well, did that work? Did we enjoy it? We're all still breathing. Right. And can we do this for six months next time? Uh, because the, the upside is so huge. And, when you were asking us, you know, again, about what were family and friends thinking on your original decision, then it feels to me as though 
still to this day, we're judged on the original decision rather than the results and the kids, which are unquestionable when you sit down and actually talk to them and see them and just wonder at the uh, different experiences that they've had. And now they're bilingual. Like that wouldn't have happened if they'd sat mm-hmm. in the classroom for, you know, goodness knows how many times a day. When our yeah. kids arrived in France, they started learning Spanish at school at the same time as they were learning French, which they hadn't um, learned before. So, um, and our daughter said to us the other day, she's been learning Spanish for six years and French for six years, but she's completely bilingual in French and she'd learned Spanish at school through a classroom. And she's like, I can't speak Spanish. I've learned it for seven years, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So mm-hmm. it just shows you the difference between immersion and classroom learning. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a great example. Yeah, I know everything you're saying, but both of you, that it's worth it, right? There's there's a lot of this is going to take some work, and but it's worth it. The relationship with your yes. kids, what the experiences that they're going to develop, their frameworks for life experiences that are just going to help shape them that it's it's worth it fighting the bureaucracy and the paperwork and whatever yeah. else that you have to you have to deal with yep it's exactly what you said earlier you, you've got this one limited time with them they, they're only young uh-huh. for, for so long and then they'll have their own lives and their own projects and and obviously they'll go and come back or they're still family but um it's it's such a limited time. There's only this one time. So All right. Making it work. I <laughs> just have one quick, one more question, which is for your older kids: Do they talk about whether or not they're also looking to homeschool when they have their own children? <laughs> yeah, good question. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know what they would do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Thankfully, not had that one yet. Uh, maybe that one's coming. How old are yours? Have, have they spoken to you about that? Yes, uh, we actually have talked a lot about that. We have a 20-year-old son who is engaged to another homeschooler. They kind of grew up together in the homeschooling program, and both of them are already talking extensively about how they want to raise their children and definitely want to homeschool. But her mom's approach to homeschooling was so different from mine. And so he said that they want to take a little bit from her side and a little bit from his side, combine them. So he, uh, so Nolan has talked extensively about that. My girls have said, well, actually, Brianna has said that she definitely wants to homeschool. And Alea says she's not sure. It depends on her circumstance. And Caden's 16, huh. so he's not thinking that far yet. Cool. Oh, that's 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 interesting, and, and congrats uh, on the uh, look. I'm sure you're looking forward to the big day. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's a little the, strange, you know. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to happen this soon. <laughs> yeah, he's a little on the young side. <laughs> he's young, but he yeah. thinks he thinks long term. So I I wasn't mature enough at 20 to make a life decision like that. <laughs> I just wasn't ready. But they're very very thoughtful. So they're very. They're, they're very thoughtful about what they're trying to, to plan for the future and good on them. They're just because it was a different timing than me. I, I'll have to, I'll just have to learn and I can't force other people into my path. So, um, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, you, I think, I think as a parent, you're, you're like learning more than the kids are from the experience. And, mm-hmm. and I know I feel like that uh, for me, it's been a personal journey and this is just the next step. So 
Well, I'm, yeah. I'm bullish on society if there's going to be more and more homeschool kids in the next 10 to 15 years because it changes everything. It changes the way people look, how they uh, look at life, how they act, how they interact. Um, and one thing that I've noticed going to the conferences that I've been going to for the last 18 months, people come up to me and they stop me, they tap me on the shoulder and they, listen, I just want to tell you I love this show and everything. And we love that Lauren asks the first question and blah, blah, blah. That first 10 minutes is golden. And they're like, and you know what? I had no idea that the education system was set up the way it was. And my kids will never go to state school because of listening mm -hmm. to your interviews with what you guys have been on and, and whoever else I've had on. I must have like 15 or 20 different episodes now focused purely on that. And they're like, no, blown away. Can't believe I ever went through that. Can't believe I never questioned it. But all I do know is when I do get married and we do have kids, they ain't going to state school or I've got to find a partner who already thinks that their kids are never going to go to state school. Then I know I've probably found the right partner. So it's it's great to hear that. Uh, you know, you, you're expecting just to talk about Bitcoin the whole time, mm -hmm. but the, that's that's just a nice takeaway. Yeah, you guys are yeah, the OGs um... of, of world schooling to the, I mean, they're like, oh man, look, they, they were in early. They did it, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I think now that our eyes are opened, a lot of people have talked to us after our um, homeschooling panel discussions, different places and said, I, I don't have a significant other, so I don't have any children. But when it does happen, they're getting homeschooled, like young people Amazing. coming up to us and yeah. they're yeah. listening to well, the discussions. Well, so. I, I think Bitcoiners are already primed, like they're already the idea of proof of work um, taking self custody of anything, money or education, like they're already at separation of education and state, like they're these, the concept of applying that to a new area, or I think is, is a lot faster than, than the, the homeschoolers who are, they, they have a lot of the, the core, they value freedom, they value taking care of their kids and their education and all that. But they're, they're like so far behind, they're not primed to hear a new way of doing things, right? Our mm. experience has been a lot of the, the people who've chosen homeschooling, they're overwhelmed. Maybe now they're, they're trying to get by on one, one income. So they're probably being mm. super frugal. They're trying to figure out all the curriculum that they need to have. And then you come along or Tali and I come along and say, Hey, we, you should add this. You should add money to your, your thing. And by the way, it's not Dave Ramsey, right? Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's this, this whole other thing. And you try to explain it to them, their eyes glaze over. So now you're scaring them with a new topic. They mm -hmm. don't know how they're going to fit it in. And if they do fit it in now that you're going to try to convince them that you're the one that has trusted resources for it. So they're like, there's like battle, 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 battle. So they will eventually get there over the next, I don't know how many years it'll, it'll, it'll take, but going to any Bitcoin meetup, people are primed. Like they're, their mindset is already that way. And now they're just applying it to their health. They're applying it to education. They're applying it to just fill in the blank. They're just applying those principles to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And it's true with education. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's exciting. This is our area where we feel like we can help give back to, like I said, in the introduction, like we're, we're not the techies, right? We're not gonna be able to explain to you how the technical stuff works. Um, but, um, you know, we're not financial analysts or anything like that, but, I mean, this this area we've we this is what we dedicate our lives to do with in terms of raising the kids, and it 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 fits with the mission of and the freedom oriented people in Bitcoin. So, and we get to meet great folks like like yourselves. Like if we hadn't done this, 
we never would have talked. I'd still be listening to my podcast yeah. or, you know, books, whatever, seeing the kids maybe a couple minutes at night if I'm lucky because I'm so tired, I just want to go to bed, right? That would have been the alternative. And instead, mm-hmm. we're, we're out making much deeper connections with people who value, have the same kind of values we have from all over the world. Tali's interviewing ladies from like literally all over the world. And we're talking about going to Madeira. We're talking about other things that we want to do. We went to El Salvador. We never would have done that had we not been in this community. So it's, it's very exciting to be part of. And hopefully the kids are watching and they'll get some ideas and they'll say, yeah, we want to, we want to do what mom and dad did. I hope. Well, we hope to see you in Madeira. We'll, we'll be there. So if you get oh, across, uh, it'd be cool to uh, to hang out with you. Yeah, yeah that'd definitely. Be awesome. yeah, um, let's do that. For me personally, it's the um, it's those conversations. It's the meeting the people. Um, I don't have inspiring conversations day to day with people around in our communities. So, other than you, babe. <laughs> but um, but then uh, when we uh, go to those those. Uh, those conferences or the meetups, just every conversation, what people are doing or how they're doing it. And it just, the conversations blow me away and it just, it's, it, it's inspiring. It gives me hope. Uh, it, you know, I can, I can just feel inside me just uh, a positiveness mm-hmm. um, from those conversations, which, you know, don't get quite so much these days. Right. Yeah. So, so here we've gone through this, that this, this awesome experience you have it's the proof of work your, the way your your kids have seen the world and what they experience and they're bilingual and they they have a whole different perspective and you have these relationship and experiences together and that is just awesome so just a shout out to you guys as we as we wrap up what would be maybe one or two of your favorite resources that you might point people to i mean obviously we're going to put in the show notes a link to one spitten and to to um to your book choose life so we'll have links to to that but is there anything else that you guys have that are favorite resources or favorite things that you like to point people to we use a lot of different things don't we use khan academy quite a bit um, yeah kubrio k-u-b-r-i-o online yep. learning platform online self-directed education platform probably for I think the sweet spot for kids age between eight to 14 at the moment. Uh, then out school obviously has a lot of uh, stuff on there that you can just plug into. And if you want to go down the rabbit hole, and like we said, in getting yourself prepared first is key. Uh, uh, any of the books by John Holt, that's H O L T. Peter Gray. Peter Gray's book, Free to Learn. I have an interview with Peter on the Once Bitten podcast. I also have an interview with Pat Ferenga, who carried on John Holt's work as well on the Once Bitten podcast. So if you just go to Once Bitten and search Peter Gray, you'll find it, or Pat Ferenga, you'll find it. Naomi Naomi Fisher. Naomi Fisher, she's written a book, two books now, uh, that are very worth digging into uh, because she comes at this from a a clinical child psychologist point of view that was in Mm. the system before she had to get out of the system because she saw like her, her big light bulb moment was maybe there's nothing wrong with the kids. Maybe it's the system. Mm -hmm. And then of course she was canceled for saying (laughs) such things. And, uh, John Taylor Gatto, Mm -hmm. 
all of his books. Incredible. Gabor Mate. Gabor Mate, Hold On To Your Kids. Another book. Yeah. Uh, and for the Austrian economic-minded people out there, go and read Rothbard's book, Education Free and Compulsory. So if you're coming at this from a Bitcoin slant, mm -hmm. or an Austrian economics slant, go read Rothbard. It's amazing. Okay. Oh, wow, I love it. I can't wait to put all the, the links to those. And then Tali and I are always looking for... <laughs> Sorry for the extra there, work. <laughs> no, I mean, it's great because now there are things that we haven't yet read or explored. And and that's just, that's a fantastic, uh, fantastic start. So we'll absolutely yeah. check all those out. But any other, any other final thoughts, Claire, Tali, you guys, uh, you want to get out? No. no. Guys, we really, we really appreciate your time. We're looking forward to hopefully meeting up maybe in Madeira. Uh, and uh, best of luck with these other, the, the next stages that you guys go through as well. Thank you. Thank you Thank for having you us. If you enjoyed this podcast and if you found this valuable, please leave a review to help others find us too. For those who prefer zapping sats, we love those too. We're on Fountain, we're on Noster, and we're on Orange Pill app. Also, I host a women's only Bitcoin podcast called Orange Hatter. And the mission of that podcast is to reach pre-coiner women. So if you know of someone in your life that you would like to introduce Bitcoin to, check it out. So Tali and I also don't have sponsors for this show. We are trying to build and run Free Market Kids. You can check out our products at freemarketkids.com. This includes the Bitcoin mining game Hoddle Up, which is a great introduction to Bitcoin. The school edition of Hoddle Up is always available. We also have the 2024 halving edition. It's going to be super deluxe. Very excited to roll it out. It is available on pre-sale at a 21% discount. Until next time, happy hodling.